The Secret World Chronicle, a podcast novel series written by Mercedes Lackey, Cody Martin, Dennis Lee, and Veronica Jagan. Presenting Season 9, Avalanche. Keep Your Distance, Part 2. Written by Mercedes Lackey and Cody Martin. They were taken to a hotel, not some sort of detention center. Although it appeared that every floor of the place had been taken over by the suits, there were at least multiple exits. Guarded, but when had that ever stopped either of them? And no bars on the windows. They were taken to a room, allowed to shower, and given something to eat and drink. Sarah had looked at the food and drink dubiously. How do I know this is not drugged? she demanded. John poked at the tray. One way to find out. He speared a piece of steak and popped it into his mouth, chewing and swallowing. There. If I die or go loopy, you're set to inherit my vast fortune. He set upon his own steak, speaking between chews and swallowing. John really was hungry. I figure this is a lot of effort to go to if they just wanted to go all rendition on us. If we were in real danger, I also figured we'd know. Battle sense would kick in, hopefully, darling, he added mentally. He didn't want to talk about that out loud. The room was no doubt bugged, and there was no reason to give these government suits a full rundown on their capabilities. Sarah poked at her food doubtfully, and glared in the direction of the closed door, but finally hunger got the better of her, and she joined him. Even with the war on, the steak here was top-notch. I would rather that I did not need to eat or drink, she told him, resentment in her tone. It is one less hold to have over us. The same could be said about a lot of other things, darling. But they can still be fun. He lightly elbowed her, then leaned in and kissed her on the cheek. Vix to J.M., I want you to take Sarah's headset and smash it, please. I am 99% sure they can't crack it but I want to be 100% sure they get no chance. I can do you one better, kiddo. I'll ash it when I take a shower. When he had first had the subvocals installed, it had been weird listening to others. Voices took on a tinny and mechanical sound through whatever process translated the signals into actual speech. Still, it was damned handy for communicating on the sly. He made as if to caress the side of Sarah's face, and palmed the tiny headset and microphone. If their handlers had noticed it, then noticed later it was gone, too bad. It would be too late for them to do anything. The next few hours passed too quickly for John's liking. He and Sarah ate generous helpings of room service, showered, and did what they could to rest. Neither one of them could sleep, however, and opted to just lie in bed next to each other. Luckily, both of them had changed into clean outfits back at CCCPHQ before they had tried to head back to John's squat. Despite their gifts and skills, their uniforms had still taken a beating in the battle. Vicky quietly kept them updated. Her invisible eye was scooting around quite actively, it seemed. The agents were all doing their rounds or staying at their posts. The street outside didn't have any unusual activity either. So far, things seemed to be on the up and up or at least as much as they could be with the NSA involved. 
John suspected that the ink on those documents that Agent Gibson had provided them was still wet from whoever was behind this, trying to make everything at least somewhat legal. Possibly they weren't even legal yet. This might be draft legislation he was trying to pretend had passed into law. John had seen dirtier tricks get pulled when someone with power wanted something. Or someone. That enough. He wouldn't be surprised, however this turned out. Finally, there was a knock on the door. John peeled himself out of Sarah's embrace, got up from the bed, and walked over to answer the door. Ten minutes until we need to leave, Mr. Murdoch, one of the nondescript agents said. We'll be ready in five. Still with you, J.M. Copy. Everything is still set to record, right? No matter what goes down, our biggest gun to use against these sorts is information. Folks like these fear Senate inquiries more than they fear being killed. If one of them so much as farts silently, it'll be on the record. I have not stopped recording since those goons blockaded you. Once they were finished dressing and otherwise cleaning up, they were escorted downstairs. There was a moment of confusion and embarrassment when several of the agents that were there for their protection found that they couldn't ride in the same elevator due to Sarah's wings. It elicited a shared smile from John and Sarah. Neither of them really cared how inconvenienced their quasi-captors were. Sarah even expanded her wings slightly to take up as much space as possible without being too obvious about it. If the next hour didn't yield something interesting or useful, John figured that he would begin to get annoyed. The elevator trip was short. They were shuffled away from the hotel lobby, down several hallways, and ended up outside of one of the larger conference rooms. John had been making a mental note of the building layout and their route, even though he could have Vicky bring up the floor plans to his HUD. Best to stay in practice with tradecraft like that. He was still kicking himself about nearly getting ambushed by this bunch. The two agents flanking the doors stepped from their positions and opened the doors for John and Sarah. Inside there were two sets of desks, one for them and one for the people that were going to carry out this hearing, apparently. Agent Gibson was inside already, waiting near the far table. After John and Sarah were seated, introductions were made. Representatives from the local branches of the FBI, NSA, Homeland Security, and even a regional director for the CIA were present. That covered the feds. For the local government, there were the police chief for Atlanta proper, a liaison for the mayor's office, and a state senator. Finally, to round everything out, there was the assistant district attorney. John figured that they needed him to make sure everything stayed legal, or at least the outward appearance thereof. The ADA was the first to speak. The purpose of this hearing is to determine several things. First and foremost, the status of two unregistered metahumans. Normally, these matters would be handled by local authorities, he said, nodding towards the police chief and putting a hand to his own chest. But given the exotic nature and tentative op classification of the metahumans in question, it has been decided that there is a potential national security risk that needs to be addressed. John reached out with his senses, gauging the men sitting in front of him. All of them were fearful. The armed guards were proof enough of that. They were scared of John and Sarah for a variety of reasons. There was something else behind the fear, though, at least from the feds. Avarice. 
naked and ugly. It fell into place for John. This wasn't truly about security or anything else. They wanted John and Sarah to co-opt them, take possession of them, use them as tools for their own purposes. He knew that Sarah could feel it too, through their connection. Sarah bristled. The feathers of her wings puffed out a little, and her wings began to vibrate. The feathers rustled against each other. It sounded a little like a rattlesnake. The ADA jerked in his seat, then tried too late to hide it. He cleared his throat. This is a very serious matter, Mr. and Mrs. Murdoch. By law, both of you have to be registered with Echo. Given past incidents with metahumans that had abilities on the level that you do, it's only prudent for us to act. For the safety of our fellow citizens... John was unimpressed and did his best to show it. The ADA looked to the others on his side of the table, then continued. Of secondary concern is Mr. Murdoch's status in relation to the United States Army. At present, he is recorded as being absent without leave. That's horseshit, and I'll bet at least one of you know it, he exploded, letting his anger flare for a moment. I never deserted from the Army. I got left, more like MIA presumed dead. There's a difference. He crossed his arms in front of his chest. He mentally started a countdown to when he'd be well and truly fed up with these proceedings. If any of you have the clearance for it, you might have an inkling about what went down and why I'm no longer in the army. It ain't by choice, or it wasn't at the time. But that's immaterial now, ain't it? Not even remotely, Mr. Murdoch. That was the CIA section officer. Your absence is absolutely germane to these proceedings and your current status. For example, depending on how this hearing goes, we could very well take you back today. John couldn't help but grin at that. Could you now? He leaned back in his chair, keeping his tone nonchalant but the implied threat was still there. He could feel the people in the room getting more and more uncomfortable. Oh, fuck em. We didn't ask to get dragged in front of a bunch of empty suits and dead-eyed bureaucrats. If they're uncomfortable, that's on them. We could try. Agent Gibson hadn't taken his eyes off of John and Sarah since they had entered the room. John had read the man's emotions when they first met. Gibson was a nasty piece of work, and a large part of him wanted to be turned loose to capture or kill John and Sarah. All he needed was an excuse and authorization. The ugly smile that crept into the corners of the agent's mouth confirmed it. He struck John as the sort of man that would have been comfortable on a slave patrol or overseeing a concentration camp. His job was an excuse for satisfying his own sick appetites when the opportunity arose. John had met a few like Gibson— never in his own unit, but where other violent sorts congregated. Men like him always found ample work, especially with those in power. Sarah's eyes began to blaze, deep down inside the pupils. John could feel her tensing. Her right hand flexed, as if she itched to call her sword or spear. Listen, John said, leaning forward again, it was getting to the point where he had to defuse this or just risk the pair of them walking out. We're not a threat to anyone. Unless they're Thulians. We're here to help. Got it? 
We've fought alongside military units, done law enforcement work locally, and scrapped a lot of Krieger heavy metal. How would trying to collar us be worth the effort for y'all when we're doing just fine on our own? Because, Mr. Murdoch, of the fact that while you're helping us now, doesn't mean that you always will. Metahumans, especially those of particularly high-op classification, are known to be unstable, unreliable, and dangerous. Of note on that particular line of thought is the seraphim, um, Mrs. Murdoch, said the FBI division head. There is virtually nothing known about you. Where you came from prior to the invasion, where your exact allegiances are, hell, if you're even a damned American citizen. On those grounds alone, not to mention your op classification, we have enough justification to detain you. Sarah's wings flared, and so did her fires. Now all of the agents did draw weapons, though they were very careful to not point them at either John or Sarah. I do not answer to you, she said flatly. And there's the problem we've been talking about. Who do either of you answer to? When metahumans are as powerful as the two of you are, they're a power unto themselves. What's to stop either of you from selling to the highest bidder, or trying to set up your own kingdoms, or just rampaging wantonly if you have a bad day? If you're not with us under government control, there's no reason to think that you couldn't be against us any day. That was the police chief. He was so agitated that it looked like his bushy mustache was going to fly off of his face as he was talking. Or we could leave, said Sarah, between clenched teeth, and allow you to continue to battle the Thulians without us. I am certain that there are other nations that would be more respectful and grateful for our aid. Now her eyes were blazing, and it would have taken a blind man not to see it. None of the feds or locals liked the sound of that. All of them started talking at once about arrests, detention, questioning, and so forth. John looked at Sarah. Their joint patience had just run out. John was just about to stand up and, damn the consequences, when he heard a voice in his ear. And reap the whirlwind in three, two... One. The doors to the service entrance behind the tribunal flew open with such force that they cracked the wall panels and their handles lodged in the plasterboard. In the doorway stood Bella, Bull, Bull must have been the one that shoved open the doors, Spin Doctor, and Mamona. They were all fully encased in Bull's force field. Behind them, in the shocked silence that had filled the room, was the sound of many, many people retching in agony vomiting so hard that they were close to throwing up their toenails. A moment later, snapping out of their daze, every agent in the room, including Gibson, aimed their weapons at the new arrivals and started shouting orders to stand down, to put their weapons away, and so forth. And in the next moment, it was the agents in the room who were bending over, vomiting like the ones in the hallway. Agent Gibson was the only one still feebly trying to aim his weapon— until he was hit with a redoubled wave of nausea. Shut the fuck up, said Bella, through gritted teeth. Let him loose, Mamona. I don't want to be knee-deep in puke. By the way, good job. The training seems to be working. Mamona grinned, and the agents stopped vomiting. 
but they were in no way in good shape. The entire room was quickly filling with the stink of several emptied stomachs. All of the agents looked shaky and pale. The Commissar of the CCCP, callsign Red Savior 2, civilian named Natalia Shostakovaya, would like to know on what grounds you are detaining two of her comrades, who, might I add, have diplomatic protections under the International Mutual Metahuman Aid Act of 1967. Are you really jonesing that hard for international war provocations with Russia while we're already fighting with the Thulians? Bella smiled thinly into the silence. But that is not really what brought me here. Miss Parker, this is highly irregular. This is a closed hearing. The ADA had half risen in his seat. He looked torn between righteous indignation and bolting for the nearest exit. I said, shut the fuck up, Bella repeated. Unless your colleagues here would really like to see the last 25 or so years of unredacted documents about the illegal detention, torture, murder of, and experimentation on humans and metahumans, including minor children, in the NSA Black program, known colloquially as The Program, dumped on every media outlet in the world in the next 10 minutes. John noticed that the CIA rep visibly stiffened at the mention of The Program right before his eyes went deadly cold. Gotcha, asshole. Definitely got to have Vicky look up what rock that bastard crawled out from under. Oh, and just to prove I'm not bluffing. One elegant eyebrow rose. The head of research for the program is one Joseph Garvey, Ph.D. Alphabet Soup. And very recently, Echo took custody of 23 minor children from just one program facility in the Florida Everglades after it was attacked by Thulians. The Thulians also evidently know about your little torture fest sites. You might ponder that for a moment as well. Guess Vix filled Bella in, at least partially on what went down in Florida. Might have to see about that, for Zach's sake if nothing else. The silence now contained a strong component of stunned disbelief. Bella examined her fingernails critically. The testimony of these minor children is probably not something you want televised. But of course, that is not all. She gestured to Spin Doctor, who took one small step forward, frowning in a father-is-displeased-with-your-behavior way. I suspect that you also would not care to have the fact televised that you have taken two prominent heroes of the invasion, people who have saved countless lives, and illegally detained them, said Spin Doctor, who was obviously enjoying his role. And that leaves aside the fact that one of them, the Seraphim, is a Peruvian national. I happen to have copies of her papers right here. He waved them at about shoulder height. And, of course, by dint of their marriage, that makes John Murdoch a Peruvian national as well, should he care to accept that status. Spin consulted his notes. Also interesting to the media would be the fact that you have used legislation that has not yet been enacted as law, is currently only just up before a House committee, is being protested by the ACLU, ECHO, and the Southern Poverty Law Center, and will certainly be deemed unconstitutional by the Supreme Court, as justification for detaining these two members of the CCCP. And, Bella appended smoothly, these entire proceedings have been recorded from the moment you detained Mr. and Mrs. Murdoch. 
from the illegal seizure and detention itself to the intimidations and threats he met them with in this ballroom. Her mouth quirked briefly. Really? A ballroom? If you were truly that serious about how threatening these two are, why did you choose a ballroom in a public hotel in downtown Atlanta to interrogate them in? Seraphim and Murdoch have taken down a Thulean dragon ship. Just the two of them. If you had pissed them off to the point of no return, what do you think they could have done to downtown Atlanta? The only possible conclusion is that you knew very well that if they felt threatened and left, the worst that would happen would be some scorched carpet and a couple holes in some walls. Therefore, all this concern about how dangerous they are is as phony as a $3 bill. This has been recorded surreptitiously this entire time? The ADA's mouth worked for a few moments before he started speaking again. I, I am I'm sure that um, violates wiretapping statutes. Really? Not in this state, Spin Doctor said flatly. As you should be aware, Mr. Assistant District Attorney, since you've taken advantage of that fact for your own cases. For recording to be legal in Georgia, only one party has to be aware that recordings are being made. But you are welcome to try to push that one through. It will, of course, be long after the time that we've dumped those recordings on worldwide media sites. We'll be leaving now, Bella said, drawing herself up to her full height. John Murdoch and the Seraphim will be leaving with us. Echo will still be coordinating and working with the military and the U.S. government, along with all other world ally governments, to effectively combat and defend against the Thulians. I believe Commissar Red Savior will also continue in that capacity with the CCCP, either independently or as an adjunct through ECHO, although you should be aware that she has already lodged diplomatic protests against you. All of you. Individually. By name. That'll look just peachy on your records. She smiled thinly, then lost the smile. But this ends. Now. Pull a trick like this against any other meta and Echo will relocate to Santiago and leave you to twist in the wind. She gestured to John and Sarah, and Bulwark briefly dropped the shield around them all. Let's get you two back to CCCP before the Commissar has an aneurysm. John and Sarah both stood up from their seats, joined the group with Bella, and Bull put the shield back up, a pointed reminder that no one with Bella trusted anyone here. They all began walking toward the room's exit. Uh, thanks for the steak, John said over his shoulder. He caught a glimpse of Agent Gibson in the corner of his eye. The man had recovered somewhat, and there was a burning hatred in his eyes. He wouldn't forget the couple. And guys like that never let grudges go unanswered. Well, so be it. If he decides to make an issue out of this little encounter, it'll be the worst goddamn mistake of his life. The pair took up position next to Bella and Bulwark as they paused beside the doorway. John crossed his arms, waiting to see what would happen next. So, Bella said, have I made the position of Echo and the CCCP perfectly clear? Are there any objections? The room was silent. Some of the hearing members were befuddled. Others were boiling with rage. Most felt embarrassed, at least as far as John could tell through his senses. 
All of them, though, were cowed. Saving their own skin was a priority for them. Political critters thought of themselves first, after all. I just want to point out that attempting to lodge any charges against anyone for assault on a federal agent will only result in a worse, uh, shitstorm for you, Spin said with a Mona Lisa-like smile. First, you are going to have to prove that any assault actually took place. Recordings will show that not one of us laid so much as a finger on any of you. And second, we have all those juicy, unredacted records. And we have the capability to drop them wherever, whenever we choose. Don't think of this as blackmail. Think of it as mutually assured destruction. More silence. Good. I'm glad we understand each other. Bella got a look of extreme disgust on her face. There is not one of you that is worthy to be scraped off Arthur Chang's shoe like the dog shit that you are. And with that, she turned and led the way out of the room, Bull's shield like a halo around them. After making their way out of the hotel, there had been a CCCP van and an echo car waiting for the group. The trip back was uneventful. No cars following them. No sirens or patrol car lights. Nothing. John did notice that Mamona was grinning the entire drive back, however. I've always wanted to do something like that. Kind of badass, wasn't it? Well, except for the smell. Damned right it was, comrade. Well, thanks for coming to our rescue. Might have gotten uglier and messier than it already was if you and the cavalry hadn't barged in when you did. My pleasure. You two ought to get in trouble more often. Mamona's grin widened. Bella's got a new trick. Some of us, she can train up with amplified powers. Mostly it's us with scion powers and taking ones to twos and twos to threes. She reckons I'm that a two and a half now. Now that was interesting. John didn't know about metahuman power generation or physiology to even make educated guesses at how that worked, other than it had something to do with how people accessed their powers. But still, every tool they could get in the fight against the Thulians was one that John was willing to take. Both vehicles arrived at the CCCP HQ right after dusk. The entire episode, from getting picked up to getting back to relative safety, had taken up the entire day. John and Sarah, exhausted at the start of it, were even more bone-tired now. It was only their shared connection and the energy that they fed each other through it that was keeping them going. It took only a minute to get everyone out of the vehicles, through the main entrance and past security, and into the CCCP briefing room. The Commissar and Untermensch were already there, waiting for them. So, you are to be explaining why pair of firebombs are allowing themselves to be captured, with not even one of their captors being killed. Or how two are even captured at all. Da? The commissar was chain-smoking through one of her awful packs of cigarettes. A pile of angrily smashed-out cigarette butts filled a tray in front of her to overflowing. We figured that leaving a pile of dead feds in the middle of the hood wouldn't really help our public relations image, commissar. It was a better move to hold back, let them show their hand, and work our way from there. We weren't captured so much as taken for a ride. Could have left any time we wanted, though there would have been consequences. He paused. Besides, Vix was recording everything. 
minute they stopped us, they were in trouble. They just didn't know it till Bella made her entrance. Natalia sucked on her teeth dismissively. Fine, fine. Was listening on Overwatch with Witch and Blue Girl. May have been tactical necessity. Question for now is what to do going forward. I know the likes of the running dogs you two were dealing with. Politicians. She nearly spat the word. It was filled with so much venom. Only want more of what they have. Power. You two are power, at least to them. They will come again, no matter what Americansky threats they hear. Commissar is right. Snakes like these only know how to slither in the filth. It is what they are accustomed to. Decisive action now may be the most prudent course to prevent any difficulties further down the line. Untermensch had a pile of folders laid out in front of him. John recognized pictures of at least three of the men that had been at the hearing inside the folders. John held up his hand. I'm going to say we need some other option. We've got enough on our plates with the Thulians. Trying to take on the U.S. government, even if we weren't at war, is usually a shit idea. They've got more money, more guns, and more lawyers. He knew that Georgie wasn't suggesting that they start bumping people off, though the commissar would probably jump at that notion. But still, it was best to get it off the table now, before it started seeming attractive. Bella rubbed her forehead. I'm open to just about any option short of burning down Congress with everyone inside. Well, maybe for fun. But that's a hobby, not a strategy, John added jokingly. Bella stuck her tongue out at him. Bull patted her knee. Much as I sympathize, we can't hit this problem head on. The only choice I see is to be reactionary. Obviously, my forte is going at the public angle, Spin Doctor mused. It's true I haven't had to do too much since the Thulians have been doing our job for us, but I can certainly rev the old publicity machine up again. There certainly isn't much else I can contribute. What about if you go after the legal angle? Bella asked suddenly. Get public pressure behind laws to protect Metas from exploitation by the government or anyone else. Get us categorized as a public resource, maybe. They want to use laws to lock us up or conscript us? We'll get in there first with laws to keep them from doing just that. Oh, I like that, Spin said, perking up. I like that a great deal. I'll get with our legal team in the ACLU for starters. Maybe bring in other groups as we see more options. He rubbed his hands together. I can almost see a PSA in my head right now. I do not ever wish to find myself so trapped again, Sarah said unhappily. Her wing feathers were still somewhat pine-coned with stress. How dare they take so much as a single hour away from us, an hour in which we could be missed, in which people could die. It's all right, darling. They're assholes and they don't know any better. He sent as much reassurance as he could through their connection. She seemed to calm down slightly, but she was still very much aggravated. Now, this is all well and good, but when push comes to shove, laws are just ink on paper. Some of those bastards, or at least bastards like them, they'll do what they want, law or no law, especially ones like that Agent Gibson. 
John placed his hand over Sarah's, giving it a squeeze. It's good that y'all are trying to get this done through the right channels, but it does bear keeping in mind that this might turn bloody at some point, and fast, especially post-war. If we win, he left unsaid. If that day comes, the commissar intoned, then it will be a day of reckoning unlike any those Cretans have seen. No one threatens my comrades. Not ever again. Uncharacteristically, it was Bulwark that spoke up. If it comes to that, Commissar, he rumbled, you will not be standing alone. You've been listening to The Secret World Chronicle, written by Mercedes Lackey, Cody Martin, Dennis Lee, and Veronica Jagan. Narration and production by Veronica Jagger at VoicesByVeronica.com. Quality review and production assistance by Laura Nicole at ResonantMoon.com. Music by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. The Secret World Chronicle podcast novel series is released under a Creative Commons Attribution No Derivatives 4.0 license. For previous episodes, check out secretworldchronicle.com. The Secret World Chronicle is published by the fantastic people at Bayon Books. Find fellow SWC fans on the Facebook group at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Secret World Chronicle. And as always, thank you for listening.